Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On the panel today is just me. I'm Kyle Fanzer. I made a couple of frequent appearances on the World Soccer Talk podcast, but I'm sure your first question is, well, where is Chris Harris and where are Kartik Krishnire? Well, they're unavailable for this week's podcast, doing their own separate things, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. So this isn't going to be your normal podcast where we break down the latest in sports streaming news, TV news, anything that we consider standard for the podcast. Rather, we're going to go into depth in a couple of interviews conducted by World Soccer Talk's Kartik Krishnire. So, over the past couple of days, Kartik's actually been involved with a couple of soccer conferences in Florida. The first of those on Monday was Sportel's Rendezvous 2022, and the second of those on Tuesday and Wednesday was the Soccer X Americas. And these are fairly similar ideas and conferences in the sense that they both kind of bring buyers and sellers together. Frankly, I can't give you the full rundown of what's going on because, you know, I'm I'm fairly new to this. Uh, but I think the best way to do it is actually have Chris and Kartik explain it themselves. So here's a little snippet of them breaking down this event and kind of what Kartik went to on Monday and who he may have had to talk to and uh, just the general vibe, everything that was going on at Sportel's Rendezvous 2022. Okay, Kartik, so... This is interesting, right? So Sportel, uh, Sportel America, which is a, uh, a trade show and conference in the United States. This is something that uh, World Soccer Talk uh, uh, attended here in March 2022, uh, held in Miami, which was very convenient uh, for both of us here in Florida. And it's something that uh, brings together a lot of the media buyers and also uh, uh, buyers and sellers. So you have you got Premier League, La Liga, uh, Fox, ESPN. A lot of these companies get together and meet in Miami to have these conversations, to have these negotiations, to figure out, okay, what's available as far as rights? Which leads into what we cover, which is on the consumer side of things, even having access to these games. And that's something with Sportel. It's interesting, Carter. Do you remember the first one we ever attended? Yeah, it was in 2009 on Miami Beach, and I believe the uh, 
the Deauville or the uh, Eden Rock Hotel? Well, I think I think it was 2007 was the first one because there was the I'm not sure if you were there that day. I think you were. It, this is the the joint announcement between the Bundesliga and Major League Soccer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That was 2007, right? And then 2009 we had the one uh, in 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 on the beach in Miami, Miami Beach. Yeah, yeah. So there's been some great memories. I mean, 2022 in terms of uh, definitely catching up with some of our contacts and networks and. Uh, having some uh, conversations to learn more about what's happening in the media uh, seller uh, space. But uh, going back to 2007, the Bundesliga made a a joint announcement with Major League Soccer at the time, which was a big deal. It was like basically what what it was, was Major League Soccer saying that we are going to share our best practices with the Bundesliga and Bundesliga is going to do the same thing too. So there's going to be a lot of uh, conversations, a lot of kind of uh, involvement back and forth with each league helping each other out. Because at the time in 2007, I think both of them felt that they needed help. Um, Major League Soccer probably felt that they needed some of the guidance from the Bundesliga, how well organized everything is. Uh, The Bundesliga probably thought that they needed some help on everything from marketing to uh, events and those types of things. And after that event happened in 2007, I didn't see a lot of publicly anything happening, but maybe behind the scenes, a lot did happen to benefit both of those leagues. And then we had we had some other uh, times. We were at the Sportel when the negotiations were taking place between um, Fox Sports, who were trying to get the rights to the UEFA Champions League, and also Satanta. Satanta was trying to get in on the deal too, and and also at the time too we were speaking to uh, Gold TV, and we met with uh, Enzo uh, Fra- Fra- was it Francescoli? Francescoli, the, uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what do you remember about the the Fox uh, UEFA Champions League deal there? I remember uh, uh, Mr. Nathanson playing very uh, very coy with us <laughs> in, in in the corridor, uh, and. Uh, I think you and I both suspecting something because remember at the time ESPN was the rights holder and it was uh, it was assumed ESPN would keep the rights and I was both thinking, yeah, maybe Fox is really in for this. And then um, also coming out of that, we, we learned from uh, from actually a, a then employee of SoccerX that ESPN was really interested in acquiring a piece of the Premier League rights in the United States. And uh, that came to pass a couple months later. Yeah, definitely. So it's one of those conferences and trade shows. It's more of a business-to-business one. But if you're a league or a rights holder or a a buyer of rights, so if you're a streaming service or a a television broadcaster, it's the event that you have to go to. It's the event where deals are done, where uh, I mean, a lot of it is Latin America also, with it being held in Miami. Uh, You've got a lot of the... um, kind of the networks and the leagues from Latin America meeting in Miami. And then you also have a lot of the leagues and, and um, broadcasters from Europe uh, also even coming from Europe to Miami to have these, these discussions. So, so Sportel 2022 rendezvous in the books and uh, we look forward to the next one. We, we were actually, Will Soccer Talk was a uh, official media partner um, for the first time and uh, yeah, good stuff. As Chris mentioned, one of the, members at Sportel's Rendezvous 2022 in Miami was La Liga. And if we're looking at the schedule of games for this weekend, one of the major storylines has to be El Clasico. And I know El Clasico, for a lot of people, has lost some of the vigor because Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo are no longer there. 
but it's still an important game. I mean, Real Madrid, sure, they're by far the best team in La Liga this season. They just knocked off PSG in the Champions League, and they looked like a frontrunner on that front as well. But Barcelona, they're a pretty different side from the one that we saw in late October when these two sides played in La Liga. And uh, Real Madrid sold into Camp Nou and won 2-1, albeit it was pretty much 2 to nothing, except for a Sergio Aguero 97th minute goal. But, but these teams, they are considerably different. I mean, I already mentioned Real Madrid's successes over the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months in terms of Champions League and league dominance. They're, already, they're 10 points clear at the top of La Liga, which is at least pretty remarkable considering that the last year's champions, Atletico Madrid, are currently in fourth, and they're well behind the pace set by Real Madrid. And they're actually level on points with Barcelona, but that being said, Barcelona does hold a game on hand on last year's champions. So Barcelona this season, they obviously got to that rocky start. Ronald Koeman fired, uh, Xavi brought in, and it's kind of been a nice little renaissance for Barcelona. And it's built up to this game, obviously, Barcelona in the Europa League right now, having been knocked out in the Champions League group stage. But in league play, they're not going to compete for the title. That's Real Madrid's to lose at the current mo- at the current moment. Uh, so why does this game have any importance? Well, it's kind of the new era of El Clasico, you could argue. I mean, you could argue it was the same thing for uh, October's El Clasico, but that wasn't the case. I mean... Real Madrid, I think, is up to five consecutive El Clasico victories, and that includes a Supercopa de España semifinal win in January. So, this game, despite the fact that Real Madrid has been dominant over recent years in this matchup, and Barcelona is definitely not the Barcelona they were of the the mid to late 2010s, uh, it's still an important game, and I think ESPN recognizes that. They are making a massive deal of this game. Obviously, if you have not seen, the big news for this weekend is that ESPN Plus will be the exclusive home of El Clasico in the United States. It will not air on ESPN or ESPN Deportes or ABC, which we've all seen games in La Liga on this season. No, this will be exclusively on ESPN Plus. But despite the fact that you do have to get through ESPN Plus just to watch the game, ESPN is still doing a pretty hefty job in terms of broadcasting the game. Uh, Bob Williams from Sports Business reported that there will be 20 hours of lead-up content uh, from Madrid, from the Santiago Bernabeu for this game, and making the trip for ESPN over to Madrid is 30 staff on site. So you're going to get your usual suspects of the people that we're going to see out there. You're going to have your studio crew, you're going to have a... I'll do my best to pronounce these names. You're going to have uh, Martin Einstein, uh, Moises Lorenz, uh, former La Liga stars Luis Garcia and Pablo Zabaleta, Fernando Palomo, Hugo Sanchez, or those two Spanish commentators for this game. Uh, for those curious who will be the English commentators, it will be Ian Dark and Steve McManaman, who uh, obviously did used to play for Real Madrid. So it's, a, it's, a, it's obviously a big deal for ESPN to have this broadcast and this crew gets sent out there because it is an important game. It's always going to be an important game, El Clasico, despite uh, these teams losing some of the, the tenacity that we saw over the past decade or so. And so ESPN making a big deal out of this, you know, frankly is a big deal. It shows that ESPN is still committed and that they are just going to continue with their coverage of ESPN. And I think it's funny that earlier in the year we talked about timing in terms of these these broadcast rights deals and with uh, Messi departing, it all looks so bleak for ESPN, having La Liga without Ronaldo, without Messi. 
But uh, here we are. La Liga has been fairly entertaining this season. Uh, I wouldn't say it's been the most exciting league. I think that probably goes to Serie A if we're asking for a personal opinion or even Premier League. Uh, La Liga probably just sits right behind them. And then I could even go into Bundesliga and now has a title race. So, you know, has La Liga been the most exciting league? No, I think it's safe to say they haven't. But it's still an exciting league and it's still soccer that, you know, we're not going to complain about soccer when it's on the television, right? So how do I draw this back into Kartik? He went to these soccer conferences and he had the opportunity to talk to people from ESPN, major names from ESPN. And one of those names is actually Alexis Nunez, who will be making the trip out to Madrid as part of ESPN's coverage of this tournament, or this game, I should say, not a tournament, just a regular league game. So now I'm going to pass it over to Kartik and his conversation with Alexis Nunes, where they're going to talk about everything from covering the game, uh, Alexis's background into getting into soccer coverage. So uh, I do apologize for any kind of uh, feedback or anything or any kind of uh, audio issues. Uh, Kartik did his best to record these uh, interviews at very popular conventions, lots of them going on in the background. So we do hope you enjoy this. Is the first interview. We will get into the listener mailbag at the end of both of these interviews. Uh, but so, as I mentioned, the first interview that you're about to listen to is Alexis Nunez, and stay tuned after to figure out who the second interview is. We're joined by Alexis Nunez of ESPN and familiar face uh, and familiar voice to American audiences from her, her role on the ESPN FC show hosting in Bristol for many years, uh, along with Dan Thomas and, 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 the, and company, moved to the UK a few years ago uh, and is now uh, one of the lead presenters on FA Cup coverage, etc. But this weekend, Alexis... You're going. You are in Madrid already. You're on site, uh, and it's El Clasico, and it's going to be a panoramic, uh, all-around coverage from from ESPN. T- t- take us a little bit through that. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, uh, hopefully, it's not news to anyone, but we have the rights for El Clasico and for La Liga for the next uh, eight years in the U.S. So that's pretty big for us. So we've just been throwing the absolute kitchen sink at La Liga. You know, we find that a lot of people tend to know about the Real Madrid's and the Barcelona's and more recently Atletico Madrid. But obviously the whole um, league is just littered with amazing stories and amazing, you know, cultures that are tied to the different regions and clubs in Spain. So we've been working a lot on that. And this weekend is definitely probably the biggest weekend, one of two of the biggest weekends um, in La Liga, which is the other El Clasico. We went to one and it was a bit of a mismatch because... Barcelona, obviously, we're going through some serious troubles under Ronald Koeman since then. That was actually his last game in yes. charge, the last Classico. That's, that's what kind of did him in after. Um, and then now, though, we all have seen how Xavi has really come back and kind of inspired a fight in this Barcelona. They've done some smart business in the January transfer window, got people like Obama Yang. So I'm finally looking forward to actually seeing what we know and love is El Clasico because it's never good to see, you know, mismatched um, competitions like these. Um, you really want to see both sides just absolutely throwing the kitchen sink at each other. And I think that, yes, Real Madrid still are looking like favorites for this one, but I think we have a much better Barcelona that will absolutely throw maybe two kitchen sinks at them at the Bernabeu come this weekend. 
Yeah, and, and ESPN's coverage of La Liga has been fantastic. You focus not only on the three big clubs now in the in, in the U.S. right because Atletico, as you mentioned, has joined the the, the classic too. But um, the whole league and even some matches, uh, Segundo matches, and have had some conversations with La Liga recently, and they're real happy at how not only you've presented the league, the matches themselves, but the but the bumper coverage, right? The coverage that comes before and after matches, shows like La Liga Confidential, etc. Uh, so take take us through that. You, you, that's generally your wheelhouse, Alexis. Is doing those uh, those pregame, postgame, uh, halftime segments, etc., and the league is blown away by that from from my my conversations with them. Yeah, well, it's honestly good to hear that because um, obviously we get so caught up in doing it. But honestly, the the whole point was just bringing our style, you know, the ESPN style, which is you know the American style, which now as a Jamaican that's lived in the U.S. for four years and now has been living in um, England for three years. Um, I can say that the American style is is such a unique way, I think, of just presenting media. I think it perfectly marries the aspects of color and entertainment to sports, you know. And I think that that's something that you don't see enough of in this side of the world yeah. in terms of how sports is done. And I think that there's such a, a market for that. Like every time we do talk to the footballers, we always say, look, we, we know what you guys are like on the pitch, but honestly what we want to show is how you are off the pitch, you know? Like today we did a great um, interview with Marco Llorente um, from Atletico Madrid about his li- his food lifestyle because he's super <laughs> healthy. He does like intermittent fasting. He's absolutely ripped. And he's been doing this all his life. Imagine a child intermittent fasting. But that's just how his life has been. And honestly, after the interview, he was just like, wow, that was fun. That was really chill. And we were like, yeah, we're not here to bite your head off, you know? So it's something that I think we've done to bring the the ESPN kind of American style of, of doing things and showing, you know, because some of these footballers have such great personalities and unfortunately they tend to shy away from the media because a lot of, you know, headlines sometimes portray the, the not-so-nice aspects as we know how the media can be sometimes. So um, we've been kind of just sticking to what we know and what we do best but kind of bringing La Liga into it and so far it's been, it's been working really well. They've been giving us amazing access and I mean... Spain is Spain. It's a country of so many different cultures, yet in one country, which is a beautiful thing. So it's it literally has been like a match made in heaven, I think, for both of us. Take us through that that transition for you, because as you said, you're in the U.S., you're hosting here, you're hosting ESPN FC, you're doing other features for ESPN. You move to the U.K., the media culture, I can attest to this personally, completely different in the U.K. The way they cover football or the way they cover sports in general, completely different. And you're bringing, you're coming into the UK, you're covering matches and uh, doing studio shows live from there, uh, but you're still bringing kind of an American styled angle to it. Um, uh, what's that like? Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's, it's, like I said, it's just been quite natural for us because obviously, despite of where I'm based, all the, the shows that I report into, like ESPN FC with Dan and the boys, I mean, by now, everybody knows that um, sometimes we call ourselves like Banter FC because <laughs> yeah. um, we're definitely there for the bands. We're there for the personalities. That's what we like to show. That's what people have known um, us for for so long. You know, of course, you still do your proper analysis and whatnot. But you do, you know, one thing that obviously American television and ESPN is not afraid to show is personality. You know, they let people be themselves and who they are. So it's been really easy. And I do notice that we do stand out based on... Um, 
the questions and the features that we do request on this side of the world, you know, the amount of media managers that have told us like, oh, that's different. We've never gotten a request like that before. But they like it, you know, and, and the players, they seem to enjoy it as well when we're able to, you know, just come to them to do something fun, still talk about football in a casual way because at the end of the day, these players, yes, they're players and we put them on um, a pedestal as well. But at the end of the day, I think all of us are just, absolute fans of the game you know everybody just grew up loving football at one point I just ended up talking about it they ended up playing it so but at the end of the day the love for football is just there so I think um, it's good and it's important to kind of dig deep into finding those stories in them and and so far everyone's been really like um, forthcoming and, and, and it's been honestly a dream because obviously when I was living in the States I mainly would cover the leagues here like Premier League La Liga Serie A Bundesliga but I'm more, Dan is comfortable in studio, as he says, he's already married, he's got his three kids, he doesn't need to be traveling up and down the country and the world, you know, I don't think his wife would let him either. <laughs> but meanwhile, there's me, and he's like, you're young, you're single, you can go anywhere, if they call you to go to Timbuktu tomorrow, you go. And it's true, so my place I always found was out there, like, doing these kind of feature-type interviews or being pitched side at these matches and kind of trying to give our audience a, a taste of what it's like you know, to be there because we know how the football culture over here in the European side of the world is is such a an older culture that's been going on for ages and, you know, the roots run deep. So it's important to kind of um, give a taste of that to our American audience as well so that they, you know, have that interest or even further interest in, in what we're doing with the leagues over here. Yeah, last question. Obviously, this is El Clasico, and uh, it's a huge deal for ESPN to have the La Liga rights, as you said, for eight years. Uh, new deal starting this season. Uh, you've done the FA Cup final now, the League Cup final from Wembley, uh, the previous few seasons since you moved over. What's it like to be pitch side for one of these huge matches, particularly you know, for a lot of us on, on this side of the Atlantic, uh, stateside? We don't really get to experience that regularly from even from being a journalist, even from being a writer, uh, being there in the flesh, uh, in the moment. Uh, so uh, to take us through that, because obviously coming from this side of the Atlantic, it was also a huge experience for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, obviously I grew up with football or, or soccer being one of our top sports in Jamaica, along with track and field and cricket. So it was always kind of new to me. It's only when I moved to the USA that I realized that, you know, there's NFL and baseball and <laughs> yeah. hockey and stuff like that, that obviously create more of a pandemonium in terms of like men's sports and, than, than football does there. And then so to be on this side of the world now, I, I suppose, and, and really feel it, it's probably... I can only liken it to, even though I've never been to one, but every time I do talk to Americans and they do tell me, and I describe football here for us, they say, oh, it's kind of like being at a college football game where yeah. college football just has a way of just sucking in people that will be buying jerseys of a college or a university that they never even went to, but they're, you know, all of a sudden a fan of this university and want to see them win. And that's literally how it is here. I think the beautiful thing about football on this side of the world too is um, just entire families that go to these games that literally leave it all out there for it. You know, just in England as well, we went the other day that we did FA Cup when it was Chelsea playing Luton Town and it was at Luton. And you know, this is Luton. This is a place that not many people know about. Um, they're obviously a smaller team, you know, than Chelsea. But seeing like literally the, the kids, I mean, uh, there was a father there with his, I kid you not, four daughters 
and best believe they were just as rowdy as all of the men around them and it was honestly such a beautiful thing to see you know it was like football transcends you know whatever you think all these usual stereotypes that it's just a guy's game or something on this side of the world it's really for everybody and it's so ingrained in people's dna and their blood that um it can get to a, a nasty level as we saw you know at wembley for the euro 2020 final but it's it just all of that is coming from the right place which is just an undying love and pride for your team i love actually hearing obviously like growing up in jamaica i mean i couldn't i support manchester united but that's because you know dwight york played for them and he was a caribbean person so i was looking for someone like me playing for manchester united um and it's amazing to see people in england who tell me so proudly that they support like a fourth division team and that they're they're not even lured and they're not even tempted to support a liverpool or arsenal or chelsea because they're like i'm not from there it's not my home and they don't care they don't want this glory hunting they are so proud to support their fourth division team you know no matter what and they will ride out into battle like lord of the rings for them so it's it's much more than just you know a game with 22 men kicking a ball around um on this side of the world it's literally a, a pride of you know, place of, of people, of culture that, you know, is, is truly something special to see. Yeah, and that is just like college sports in the States. Pro sports in the States are <laughs> nothing like that. I, I will... need to come to one. Yeah. I need to come to a college football game. Yeah, or college basketball. Same, same, same thing, college yeah, basketball. Oh, I did go to a college basketball game because obviously I was in Connecticut and as I landed, everyone did tell me that UConn yes. is great in basketball. So I did go to the Gamble and see you can't play one basketball game and that was it but i feel like i wanted to go more i had such a good time but before i knew it i blinked and they moved me to the uk so (laughs) i'll pop back over and watch them I just want to say thank you again to Alexis Nunez and Kartik, frankly, for putting this all together and giving us the opportunity to listen to that. Um, as Kartik mentioned, Alexis will be in Madrid to cover El Clasico this weekend. That game is on Sunday. Alexis is obviously going to be part of that uh, 20 hours of coverage that I mentioned just before the interview. So ESPN, um, obviously they have a ton of soccer properties now. You could argue they're the home of soccer. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement to make, but you know they have more properties than any other broadcaster in the U.S. And among those properties is the FA Cup. So this weekend, you're not going to see very many Premier League games. If I'm not mistaken, there's only four Premier League games scheduled for this weekend. And the reason for that is there are six Premier League sides that are currently in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And those quarterfinals matchups are scheduled for this weekend as well as to to go along with El Clasico. So ESPN, they got kind of a tough role, obviously, uh, most of the FA Cup games are on Saturday, but there are some scheduled for Sunday, and El Clasico is, of course, scheduled for Sunday afternoon here in the U.S. But an, a member of that uh, ESPN FA Cup coverage is uh, Kay Murray, who uh, you know many of you will recognize her voice and her face from uh, her coverage with ESPN. Uh, she does a lot of La Liga broadcasts, a very frequent member of the FA Cup broadcasts, and Fortunately, we have the opportunity to listen to another interview from Kartik with Kay Murray that happened at Soccer X Americas this week. Again, I will apologize for any kind of sound issues. Uh, Kartik once again did very well to uh, try to minimize those, try to find a nice secluded area. Um, so I hope you all look forward to this interview with uh, ESPN's Kay Murray, who will be on ESPN's FA Cup coverage this weekend. She will not be a part of the Classico coverage, which we uh, we just heard from. So hope you enjoy. 
I'm here with Kay Murray, who's one of the fantastic talents at ESPN. And Kay, you've been there now a few years. We, we followed you closely at VN and your move to ESPN. And finally now, in like your third or fourth year at ESPN, you get La Liga rights back, which I know is the league that you've focused on the most through the years in terms of your broadcasting career. So talk about being able to cover La Liga again and some of the things you're doing at ESPN, which maybe haven't been done in broadcasting before. Uh, thanks, Kartik. Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. And I was happy to be at ESPN anyway. For La Liga to come was just the icing on the cake for me because, as you said, it's a league I love. I've worked in consistently since 2006, so 16 years this year that I've been covering La Liga. Still love it just as much. Still read the Spanish press every single morning <laughs> with my coffee or my tea, whichever it may be. I have to say, I have never, ever covered La Liga on this magnitude. It's huge, the efforts that both La Liga and ESPN are putting into bringing the, the league to the to the audience here in North America. And so that's been great. Um, it's been really lovely that they, they've lent on us as well to, to ask our opinion on certain things when we were previewing the league coming. Dan and I were able to tell our own personal stories of each club. We did 20 days of 20 different clubs in La Liga. We were able to do that. And even now, uh, one of the things that I love that ESPN are allowing us to do is to not just tell you, okay, this team and this team are coming up against one another. We're able to tell you not just the storylines that are happening in Spain, but some of the history about those clubs as well. So that's been great too. Uh, it's early days. It's just the beginning. Uh, it seems to be that it's only growing and growing and more popularity. And one of the great things to see is that it looks as though Real Madrid and Barcelona's rivalry is on its way back to that peak rivalry again. Right. Xavi being back in La yeah. Liga makes a big difference. Uh, La Liga Confidential is a show that you're hosting each week uh, on ESPN+. Plus. I actually watch it on Hulu, believe it or not. You can watch that show on Hulu I as well. Know yes. That's good to it know. It pops up right on my feed when I open Hulu up. La Liga Confidential. It knows I watch it every week. So <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about that show because it's a very unique look at La Liga, something we haven't really gotten for English language audiences in the U.S. previously. Well, that's something that I've been really, really happy to be able to do. So um, we've just had a panel today speaking about how the partnership works between ESPN and La Liga. And this is one of the big things they're doing. They're using ESPN's talent to tell the stories of La Liga. And the really nice thing is that it's pretty much left to me. They trust me enough to know that I know the league. We put it out to the fans to decide the name. I think La Liga Confidential was actually an Ian Dark suggestion. Ah. It wasn't any bias. We just really liked it. But it fit with everything that comes to me in La Liga because I like to bring you a storyline, but I also try and bring you something from the background or the inside that may be a bit more confidential. Uh, just from my time in Spain, from my time covering the league. So they say to me each week, it can be one of the big storylines of the week. And you could just be caught doing Barcelona and Real Madrid, which many a week I have had to cover those because in my eyes, it is the biggest storyline of the week. But it also has come down to me talking about Levante getting their first win. What I'm really trying to do with it is something I've always tried to do with La Liga because it's a league I love. And I believe that if everybody gave it the time, if they're not already, to spend more time getting to know it, they would love it as much as I did too. So what I try to do in 1 minute 30, max usually, is tell them that storyline, but give it a bit of context, why it's interesting, why it's fun. And it's just been really nice to do so. And I think what's really nice is if you go back over the catalogue, which you can do so on YouTube under the hashtag of Liga Confidential, you get a good overview of what's been going on this season and what the storylines are each week. So with ESPN FC this year, having La Liga rights and also continuing on with the FA Cup, you've been able to do 
a lot of pre and post game shows, uh, unlimited time, which you not, didn't necessarily have when games were on ESPN two or on regular ESPN and, uh, really fluid. So you've built, you've been uh, in the host chair for a lot of those, uh, shows. Take us through that because there's no set time limit. It's kind of, you're just going after, before a game and after a game. Yeah. So you have to really love this sport as <laughs> all the listeners I'm sure do. Uh, because you're on a game, let's say it's a Real Madrid Alaves game, and then there are other games happening at the same time across ESPN Plus, across the network, that we also have to have half an ear and half an eye on, because on FC afterwards, we're covering the whole day. We need to know the questions enough. And so that's been, actually, I love it, you know, because I, I, I like to cover, I, I've, I've always got my my eye across all the top leagues anyway and the not so top leagues English Championship for <laughs> instance a top league in my heart and in my eyes um, so that's been really nice to do and I think that it also allows the, the in-depth coverage that maybe you didn't catch that game maybe you didn't catch the league game with us maybe you were watching an FA Cup game it means that in the post show because we have all that time you'll get a good understanding of what did happen in that La Liga game because we've had eyes across everything so that's been really nice to do and as you say uh, as, as important as commercial breaks are, and obviously that happened during the Euros when we were on network television, yeah. that happens on many a big game that go on network television and some of our Bundesliga coverage too, it, it restricts you a little bit because you have to hit your times to get to breaks. And obviously those commercials are very important, but it's great to not have them because it just allows a conversation to flow for longer. It allows you to challenge or to ask your pundit to elaborate and that's been really, really nice. It's a full set 15 minutes that you're getting of a half time, as opposed to what could be five or six with commercials, you know? That's a great segue because uh, ABC, you've had a number of games now. You've hosted La Liga, Bundesliga, and some internationals on ABC, right? England, mm -hmm. uh, Iceland, I remember you had on ABC. Has that been any different to approach matches that are on, uh, not just on linear television, but on over-the-air television and kind of the, the constraints of that show? So, yeah, obviously there's the, the constraints that I just spoke about. But one thing I suppose, maybe a little subconsciously, I try to do a bit more if we're on network television, particularly on ABC, is the hope which it, and because I know this because I have friends who aren't soccer fans who I've met in the US they'll say oh I saw you on ABC or I saw you on ESPN2 and I continued watching so with the utmost respect for my audience that already know soccer I try to without patronizing them educate a little bit on who the league is what the league is what the game is what it all means um so that's one thing that I have in mind when it comes to to those fixtures and those games last question uh La Liga has gotten this huge boost in North America. We've seen between uh, the ESPN deal, Disney deal, and then also just more presence in the market. Do you do you foresee a time when La Liga might be uh, a rival to the Premier League in in the US, or is it uh, is that a long way off? I hope, and I think that uh, maybe there would be a time because if you if you follow them closely, and it's not you know so many people have to argue which is the best. You know, you, you we're allowed to all enjoy, right. we're allowed to enjoy them all, or we're allowed to enjoy one and enjoy another casually. But I think that a big thing with the Premier League, and it's a league I love myself, it's very exciting, we always hear that, it's that we hear people speaking English, and that's been a really good thing. But as we've just talked about in our panel, it, we're, we're catering to a Hispanic audience as well. It's the USA. Right. We have to. And so that's the great thing about La Liga, that we, we have English speakers, we have Spanish speakers, and we're catering to a huge audience there. Who knows uh, how it will be? We do know that one thing that is a bigger rivalry, though, than any of the other rivalries in football, and I will argue this to the ground, is the rivalry to Real Madrid 
between Real Madrid and Barcelona. So, so actually, let's let's continue on with one last question. Uh, covering El Clasico, right? Is is there anything you you've covered international football? You've done uh, Euros and World Cups, but is there anything quite like it? It, it, it seems to be, especially from a broadcast perspective, totally unique in this sport. I think so, and I, something I just said today. I feel that even if you like other rivalries in any sport, you can actually still watch it as a neutral. I don't think you can watch El Clasico as a neutral. <laughs> I think you always lean one way or the other. So this is a clash in sport, in soccer, in football, that divides the world. And it doesn't just divide the world. It usually brings the whole soccer world to a standstill. Regardless of what league is your favorite, you generally will try and watch El Clasico. So no, there's nothing like it. And I, I, I think being on the ground in Spain, I was there during that marathon of Clasicos, during the Pep Guardiola and Mourinho era, where it actually got nasty. It actually got tough to even be working of one, with one of the teams when that was happening. And you know, I say that, but I'm ready for that rivalry again. <laughs> the rivalry's always there, but I'm ready for that intensity again. And we know Xavi bleeds Flaugrana, and we know how things are going at Real Madrid. We're seeing the old guard doing every week wonderful things. Benzema, Luka Modric teaching those young ones, instilling the values of Real Madrid there. Xavi's doing the same with the philosophy of Barcelona with his young players. It's just going to get bigger and better all over again. And I never thought I'd say this, but I'm here for that intense rivalry to, to reignite. Thank you again to Kay Murray and Kartik Krishnayar for that interview. I will reiterate that Kay Murray will be on ESPN's FA Cup coverage this weekend. There are eight games scheduled as the FA Cup quarterfinals, six Premier League teams in action. And if you're curious, the two teams that are not Premier League teams are championship sides, Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest. And as usual, we're going to wrap up this podcast with the listener mailbag. I'm sorry that it's not uh, the usual hour-long episode. We'll get back into that next week when uh, Chris and Kartik are able to get back on the podcast. So I'm going to jump right into the listener mailbag, and we've got a couple of uh, topics to go through. Uh, the first one we're going to go over is the power rankings of soccer TV channels that we went through last week. And uh, Chris Guardino says, I wanted to give you my power rankings of soccer TV channels. Number four is Fox, given how poor their coverage is currently. Number three is NBC, because there is a huge disconnect between Peacock and the linear TV side. Two is ESPN or ESPN Plus, because of the vast number of leagues I can watch or stream and the coverage is consistent. And number one is CBS, because their coverage of Serie A and WSL and the Champions League is excellent. I also wanted to let you guys know that Apple TV Plus gained the rights to stream Friday night MLB games earlier this week. With this in mind, do you see Apple TV Plus getting more involved in soccer, besides Ted's, besides Ted Lasso, of course, in the future? And uh, Chris, I wish I could give you the answer. I'm not going to be as well-versed in this topic as uh, Kartik and Chris. I mean, we've seen Discovery get involved. I don't see why it's uh, out of the question for Apple TV Plus to get involved. So uh, hopefully I can pass this question on to uh, Chris and Kartik for next week, and they can answer that question for you. I do find your list interesting, and I, I think it's kind of correct, if we're being honest. Uh, I think ESPN and ESPN Plus is kind of hard to pass up just because of the sheer number. I mean, we already talked about the FA Cup and La Liga and El Clasico this weekend, but you're right with uh, CBS's coverage. Their their studio shows with Serie A and the Champions League have been top-notch all season long, so uh, thanks, Chris. We're now going to talk about uh, Major League Soccer, which is 
Obviously, picking up, uh, season started not too long ago. We've seen a couple MLS teams in action in the CONCACAF Champions League. So, Sam says, long-time listener, first-time writer. I couldn't help but get a little bit frustrated at your analysis over why Major League Soccer ratings might be down and thought I'd share my insight as to why I don't watch MLS. I'm a young professional in my late 20s with enough time and money to subscribe to all of the streaming services and watch my favorite teams. I only say this because that would seem to fit the demographic of what every network's target audience member is. I live in San Diego and support teams in Europe and Asia. While I am an Arsenal supporter, I support a club in the sixth tier of England as well as a club in Korea and Japan. Level of play is not my issue with MLS. The reason I will never tune into American soccer game is due to the structure of the league itself. MLS and their owners continue to put profit over product, continuing to be one of the only leagues in the world with no relegation, promotion, or community roots. How can they expect to try to compete with the European leagues while maintaining a a monopoly over a set of number of teams? Why should I even go support my local USL championship team when there is no hope of ever seeing San Diego loyal in the top league? After what greedy American ownership in the NFL did to my city, I will not support a league where owners have the final say on its structure. Imagine how exciting American soccer culture would be as a whole if every town and suburb had a team in some part of a football pyramid. I get that there is still greed in European football, but I would still rather watch a Premier League match at 4am than an MLS one at 6pm. I am not alone in this. There are so many young people I know that are passionate about football. None of them, however, watch the MLS and the ratings reflect that. I do think it's interesting, Sam. Uh, I'm personally from St. Petersburg, so we have the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And it is hard to support them just because the Tampa Bay Rowdies have been so dominant in USL over the last uh, couple of years. It's, I mean, there's no there were uh, grassroots movements to try to get them to be the next MLS team, but it's hard to root for a team when you're competing for a championship and you're not going to be the best in the sport. We're so used to American sports proclaiming world champions, uh, you know, Super Bowl champions is the best football team in the world. It's hard to get that same kind of mantra when you know that the USL championship sides can never be the same tier as Major League Soccer sides. Uh, JP regarding MLS says, It's rather simple. The interest is more regional and local than it is national. On top of that, the local support is probably fourth on the totem pole, or third or fifth depending on market, of interest in that particular region. Regular season national broadcasts are never going to be huge, especially like that Charlotte match Saturday night when there were multiple other matches going on at the same time. Fans of MLS clubs other than Charlotte and LA would be watching their local team or broadcast. I actually did watch most of that match. It was a, it was a week night for NHL and interested to see the first night reaction in the crowd noise in Charlotte. Overall, the Fox broadcast was pretty good. Uh, Stu Holden is much better than ESPN's Twelman. So what if Major League Soccer executives promise their broadcast partners certain rights threshold? They can promise anything they want, probably more of a marketing ploy than anything based on reality-based growth metrics. Despite all that, Major League Soccer is still a good investment for broadcasters given that the local rights are supposedly included in the deal. If that means no local block, blackout, excuse me, then it's a home run for whomever wins the bid plus Summer League's Cup with Liga MX. Greg says, uh, yes, in the early season for sure, Major League Soccer ratings will be lower, and there's way too much other soccer going on right now with the European leagues. There's simply no space in my brain for Major League Soccer. I'm glad to see Chris coming around to my POV that the league is more of a local team league than a national thing, unless you've got a major star playing like Beckham or Zlatan. When I've watched early season Major League Soccer national games, it's purely been curiosity. Inter-Miami's first match, uh, Portland-Seattle, El Trafico. Otherwise, Houston versus Colorado, 
meh, don't care enough. Yeah, it's a good point, Greg, the uh, impact of, you know, star power, and that's obviously uh, what a lot of people stereotype Major League Soccer to be, is you bring over these old uh, stars, you know, here's Latans, and they pull in a lot of viewers for a short amount of time, it's just about can they bang in, uh, make a more permanent viewer base. If you've got something that you want to ask us, we'd love to read your comment out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post comments on worldsoccertalk.com's articles and pages. Uh, in, uh, in addition to the podcast, here are uh, some other ways to connect with us. You can uh, subscribe to our daily email newsletter. You can also simply visit worldsoccertalk.com, which is updated 24-7. And don't forget, you can listen to this World Soccer Talk podcast every week on your favorite assistant, including, including Google Home and Alexa. Just tell them to play World Soccer Talk or the World Soccer Talk podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. I uh, hope you all enjoyed Kartik's two interviews. Uh, I know I'm not going to be able to provide as much uh, TV and streaming news insight as Chris and Kartik, but we'll be sure to jump back into that next week. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and over on WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, make sure to share it with your friends on social media and be sure to give us a review. And as usual, for all you listeners out there, I'm Kyle Fansler. Make sure to enjoy your football. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.